0: And I believe that that's really why you're here Christ died for us History Makers Hi and welcome to History Makers, I'm Matt Prater Today we're speaking with Stephen Dale Author of the book Bouncing Back When You Hit Rock Bottom He's a motivational speaker, he's a coach And he's got a great Faith story as well uh, Steve, welcome to the program, tell us a bit about Your upbringing, where were you born and raised? Yeah,
1: thanks Thanks for getting me On board, Matt, I grew up in, in a place Called Nudgee, which is north-east Brisbane, Mm -hmm. lovely little place with a wonderful family.
0: And what was your uh, family life like? Did you have like a religious upbringing at all?
1: Oh, look, absolutely. Church and God was the focus of everything. We went to church twice on Sundays. Uh, My parents were in charge of girls' brigade and boys' brigade. Uh, There was Bible study at our place at least once a week. Basically, my entire life was in and around the church, and my, my parents and my family are very strong Christians, yes.
0: Mm, okay. Now, as a young fella, I know that you suffered bullying a lot at school. Tell us about your experiences.
1: <laughs> well, once I went to school because when I grew up at nudgie I just learned that the world was love and that everybody forgave everybody and everybody got along. And if you did something wrong, you were gently pulled aside and told, you know, what the what your correction could be. But when I got to high school, because it was a very large school and I did not know anybody my age or in my group, and because I was small, and Matt, as you know, I have a good set of ears on me, and when you're small and you've got a good set of ears and you're very polite and you're well-mannered, you can easily become a bit of a target for the bigger guys. And I just did not know how to handle it to start off with. And I think because I overreacted, or maybe I just reacted as a normal child. Uh, things just got worse. I just sort of seemed to be known as a bit of a target. And some boys in my year just really teased me and caused, caused me names, which was upsetting enough. But it was an older group in the school that sort of took the, the, the bullying level to the uh, physical stage. And then catching a train home when I got home, the boys in my local street would be teasing me and picking me and pushing me around. So basically from grade 8 to grade 9, my whole life I just felt picked on and teased. And it wasn't that serious until it started to get very physical in grade 10 and grade 11.
0: And I know that uh, it must have given you lots of emotional scars as well as physical scars, Uh, but there was a, a time when you made a commitment to the Lord at the age of 16. Tell us about that.
1: Because I was raised in church and all my friends were from church, all my safe friends were from church, and church was the only day of sanctitude for me. Uh, I guess if I can just take a little bit bit of a tangent here, Matt. On Sunday night I used to pray very heavily every Sunday night that God would deal with the bullies and they wouldn't be at school on Monday. So Sunday night was a Really strong time for me. A time when all the fear came back. I mean, the weekends were good, but come Sunday night, I'd be starting to worry about Monday. And one one Sunday night, there was a, a preacher who came, a, a strong evangelist, and uh, he mentioned about about the safety in God and that if you put your trust in God, and he really sort of, it, it made sense to me, and it made sense to me because of the amount of fear that I was in. So when I made a decision, I would I hate to say, but it was due to the fact that I wanted some protection, and I just thought I can just pass all this over to God and he'll look after me without really understanding what that means. I thought that God would step in the way of the bullies, but I had a few lessons that God obviously wanted me to learn. So the decision that I made when I was 16 was very strong and very sincere, but now that I'm an older man looking back at it, I can understand that it was propelled by fear, Rather than
0: by love. And I know that uh, you have written this book called Bouncing Back When You Hit Rock Bottom. And yeah. you literally did hit rock bottom uh, in, uh, <laughs> in, in, a, in a horrible accident. Uh, you, were, you really had a, a horrible alcohol addiction. You were into drugs. You were in all sorts of trouble. Let's just move forward to that part of your life. Tell us a bit about how this all happened.
1: I ran away from Brisbane. I wanted to just get out of Brisbane. I guess I was a young man and I was not the smartest guy. I figured that all of my problems were Brisbane. Everywhere I went in Brisbane was problems. So as soon as I was offered a job to go and work in Sydney with the, with the person I was working for up here, I just took it. I thought, great, this is a great chance, a great way to get out of Brisbane. I can go to Sydney. It will start all over again. I won't know anybody. I'll have a second, have a second chance. And because I didn't take any responsibility and because I had alcohol problems and other issues, Sydney was probably not the right place. So in Sydney, I got into trouble very quickly. I got surrounded by the wrong people very quickly. I thought that, Sydney must have really bad luck, two cities in a row, so I ran away to Melbourne and I'd learned to run away from problems the wrong way. I would learned that at school, if I was in trouble, the best, solution was to run away so that got into my persona I I guess you would say and then when I got to Melbourne same thing happened again same people I got into problems I had real I had a lot of personality issues I had a lot of fear I had really built myself up physically so I was willing to to fight with people and so with Melbourne with all that trouble again I just decided to leave Melbourne I went to Tasmania I hitchhiked around Tasmania I was, I knew, I just knew that I was running to the end. I knew that things were at desperation stakes, and that I just wanted out. And so when I went back to Melbourne, I had met, I met two guys, two lovely Christian guys. Believe it or not, I didn't have anything to do with Christians. I didn't trust Christians. I didn't like Christians. I figured that all of my problems were because of Christians leading me astray and making me weak and making me soft. But when I met these two guys, we just got along really well and they decided they asked me if I wanted to go down to Phillip Island for the Saturday on the, the 25th of February, 1989. And I said, sure, any way to get out and have a good day and uh, was told that there wouldn't be any drinking or drug-taking or fighting that day. We were going to have fun without those three things, which I, I didn't think was possible. But uh, So I had a couple of drinks. We stopped off at a pub for lunch. I knocked back as much as I could. And then we went to a particular island at Pyramid Rock at uh, Phillip Island, and that's where the accident took place.
0: And I know that uh, I've heard you describe this recently of the uh, injuries you went through. We haven't got uh, much time uh, today to go into it, but I know in your book you go into all the details. Just give us a snapshot of the injuries that you sustained from uh, this horrible fall.
1: Okay, well, I first of all had a major uh, brain injury. I had a, a, had a thing called a common of fracture of my right occipital, which is a shattering of the right rear corner of the skull. And as my brain began to swell, that broke up into a dozen different fractures. And the fracture went over my right ear, through my right cheek, through my nose, and down to my jaw, which made my, the right side of my face collapse. My, my right eye fell in behind my nose because there was no solar structure there. Uh, I desiccated my spine from my hips uh, and I also fractured my sternum and my ribs. So when one of these two magnificent young men decided to work on me and save my life, they had to give me CPR for 45 minutes, for approximately 45 minutes through five heart attacks. And as they were driving and as they were uh, doing the CPR, especially on my chest, the broken chest, the broken bones, the bones then went into the lungs which caused the liver to split. Uh, The loss of blood was quite extraordinary. I damaged all of my internal organs. I lost a lot of skin and I lost a lot of blood over that period of time. And uh, they kept working on me through the heart attacks, which apparently exceeded uh, two or three minutes. And uh, when the helicopter arrived, when the ambulance came, the, the ambulance basically told the guys to stop that the only reason that I'm alive is because I keep on beating on on my heart and uh, to just stop. Thankfully, they considered me um, worth all the trouble and uh, that I was good enough and that I was worthwhile enough. And they they worked hard. The airbase decided to come around. They shot me with adrenaline and thought, well, if he survives the adrenaline hit, we'll take him to the chopper and take him off to hospital or we'll take him to the morgue. And obviously, I survived. That particular partner went off to the Alfred Hospital in Melbourne um, with extreme injuries, and as well as broken bones and shattered a lot of areas, and thirty feet fall onto rocks does not end well, Matt.
0: Mm. Well, it's a harrowing story, and uh, what you went through is just you know so horrific. But then you had a self-imposed rehab program that took ten years to complete, and after. Uh, All the challenges You fully did regain your cognitive Communication skills uh, And you rebuilt Your physical strength, mobility and endurance You know, you really went through it Then you started Smiling Tiger in 2002 I love your website SmilingTiger.com.au Tell us why that name and what's all that about?
1: (laughs) One night when I came home It was one of the first weekends that I came home from hospital I was in hospital for close to a year and in the last several months, I had a body cast on, which is from basically from upper chest right through to knee. I'd lost about 45 kilos of body weight. So I was six foot one and a bit at that stage, weighed 51 kilos and had this structure on me. So I couldn't bend at the hip. I couldn't bend at the knees. And one weekend when I was allowed a weekend pass, and I went home, I was apparently standing at a particular place in the living room and as you can imagine, when you're that tall and you're that thin and you've got no way of, of, of uh, balancing yourself, I just started to tip forward as one solid plane. I just started to tip straight forward. My parents gasped. I caught the couch on the way down. And when I hit the floor, my parents and my sister and her husband started laughing. And I was incredibly wounded by their laughter but but when my dad came over and picked me up, he said, mate, we're not laughing at you. We're laughing out of relief that you caught yourself before you landed. But let's face it, that was funny. The whole vision was a funny vision. Now that you haven't hurt yourself, cause that, you know, I had a lot of injuries. So my parents were absolutely paranoid that I would hurt myself. So when I land on the bottom there, my dad used to call me Tiger. I've always gone up with a fetish, I guess, for Tigers. Love being surrounded by pictures of tigers. So when my dad picked me up off the floor and he said that to me, he put his arm around me and he said, we really appreciate and respect how hard you're working, Tiger. We really do. But, mate, you've got to learn to laugh at yourself. If you laugh at yourself, you'll never cease to be entertained. So I went from, in my mind's eye, being known as Tiger to being the Smiling Tiger. <laughs> and and that name stuck because I do have a relatively, well, I guess you could use the word aggressive without being angry, but I really go for things. If I want to achieve something, I, I really move towards it. So that, that's the tiger side. The smiling tiger is about, yeah, well, work hard towards your goals and try and be the best you can be, but don't take yourself too seriously. Mm. Settle down. It's, it's, don't make it harder than it has to be. And so when it came to naming my business, when I was standing in front of the people there just wanted to, wanting to get a domain, they said, well, okay, well, what's your name? And I told them, Stephen Dale, and they said, no, that name's already taken. What's your nickname? So I just said, Smiley Tiger. <laughs> and the response from the girls behind the counter was Smiley Tiger, I love it, I love it. So I thought, okay, well, that's what it is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and now you're very proactive uh, as a business coach. I know you do sales seminars. I heard you speak at the King's Table Soup Kitchen recently. You love to share your testimony and share about your faith in churches. And, you know, if people yeah. want to book you and uh, get you to share your message and have a look at your book, they can go to the website smilingtiger.com.au. Uh, but tell us a bit about why you're leaning in that direction now. Why are you wanted to share about your faith a bit more these days?
1: Well, when I started my business, or when I started doing something, it was basically because I couldn't get a job. I was in my mid-30s by that time. I didn't have a job history. I didn't have any qualifications. I got some really good jobs, but they were very unfulfilling jobs. And I thought, well, what's the one thing that I do? When I was recovering, one of my major patterns was on was based on not what can't I do but what can I do? And what I can do and what I can talk about is that I have worked through an extraordinary recovery after being written off by neurologists and surgeons and everybody who knows everything says that I'd never recovered. It talk, tried to talk me into it and definitely told my parents about it. So I thought, well I've got that story. I've got the story of being able to lead yourself and make good decisions. I've got the story of of a great family, of, of working really hard over a long period of time. So I basically took all of those uh, all of those moments into my business. and as I started sharing my story, it took me very quickly into the corporate world, into the sales world, into the professional sports arena. Into into schools, uh, started lecturing at university, started doing a lot of things, and right the way through, it was the fact that my love of God and my closeness to God during my rehab was always in the back of my mind. That one day, the Lord was very clear that, that one day, the time is going to come when all of this has been nothing but an apprenticeship for you to speak to my people and, and to speak to Christians and speak in churches. Mm. Because of my story, and because of what I've been through, and all the details that obviously we didn't have time to go through today. But basically, that was it. And then, when a couple of years ago, the situation arose where I was asked to speak at a at a men's at a church men's group, and I did, and we had a great time. And I felt, I just felt the voice of the Lord saying, "The time's now. Mm. I, this this is what I want you to do now." So, especially over the last few months. Uh, I've been working very hard towards that. Mm. And the Lord will open doors for me as, as he sees fit. And when I meet people like you, Matt, and I speak at your church, <laughs> and we have a, a really strong response. Mm. And other places that I've been to, and uh, that's, that's where
0: it's going. Yeah. You certainly do have an amazing gift and an amazing story. Once again, the book is called Bouncing Back When You Hit Rock Bottom. And if you'd like to find out more about Stephen Dale and his testimony, Uh, and his uh, recovery story and the ministry he has. You can check it out at smilingtiger.com.au. Stephen, thanks for joining us. I reckon you're a history maker. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we appreciate all of your support. The vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus all over the world. If you've got a suggestion of someone we can interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world